Okay, so, How Great Thou Art, part two. We're, uh, we're in our second week of a series on worship. And if you were here last week, we uh, did an intro on what worship is. It was a bit more of a, it was a, it was a who do we worship sort of sermon. And uh, the point was well illustrated that actually everything in life is about worship. Everything in life boils down to who your God is. And uh, actually, uh, that's, that's pretty much the exact thing that I, I had the privilege of speaking on at UBC two days ago. It was a really, really cool time out at UBC. Uh, close to 1,000 students coming out to worship and hear, uh, hear the gospel. It was amazing, amazing time. And, uh, and uh, that's all I pretty much talked about was who is your God? Who do you worship? And of course, the, 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 main, two, the main two entities that can fill that spot, one of them would be God, and the other one is probably what often takes over is just us. We become our own gods. Your God is just the person you worship the most, the person you give most of your time to, the person that takes up, uh, like, where you spend your money. It's, it's all those things. Who is your God? It's either us or it's God. And so um, I'm really excited about today because we're going to talk a little bit more about the why. I think we've established really clearly last week who the who was. So let's talk a little bit about the why. Why do we worship? And as I was, as I was, uh, just doing a little bit of study for this and, and, and reading some verses and uh, getting in the Bible a little bit, stumbled across a story that I hadn't heard in a really long time from Second Chronicles. And uh, as I was reading through it, I was like, this is the perfect story to illustrate the why of worship. It's from Second Chronicles, and it's the story of where Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, best name ever, King Jehoshaphat defeats Moab and Ammon. There, there's, an attacking, there's attacking tribes and Jehoshaphat and the kingdom of Judah defeat them. And it's a story that's almost entirely about worship. It's a war story about worship. Okay? And I think it's just perfect for us today. It's going gonna, it's gonna to help us illustrate the why really, really well. So, let's just start reading. Because I think that uh, we're just going to keep, we're going to read through the whole thing. It's one chapter. And I'm going to stop us every now and again. We're going to learn some stuff. We're going to preach just through a passage today. Which is, uh, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not used to that. I don't typically do that. But I think for today, that's going to be fun. Okay, Jehoshaphat defeats Moab and Ammon. Second Chronicles, chapter 20. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Meunites. Uh, there's going to be a lot of that today, so I apologize if I get it wrong. There's a lot of ites in this story. <laughs> came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. They're already in Hazazon Tamar, that is En Gedi. I've been to En Gedi. Colin, are you in the room right now, or are you not here? Colin, no? Oh, shoot. Colin, Ozzy? Okay. Uh, Colin, and I have a funny story with Colin about actual En Gedi. Uh, we've been there. It's like this really cool place that has all these pools. It's like a waterfall and then a pool, and then a waterfall and then a pool, and it keeps going down. It's actually where David hid from, uh, from Saul for a while. Really, really beautiful place, and Colin was like, uh, I didn't want to jump in the water. I was, I don't know, I probably just showered or something, and we were there. It was in the morning. He's like, jump in the pool. When are we going to be here? Come on, jump in the pool, Jonathan. I was like, I don't want to. Like, I'm totally getting peer pressured by Colin at this point, and I'm sitting there, and it looks fun, and him and Corey are splashing around, and I'm like, he's like, come on, this is so great. Just jump in. I was like, fine. So I just, like, jumped in just at a whim, and then I, like, get up out of the water, and I stand up, and I'm like, face is like, <gasps> and Colin's like, what? And I'm like, I have my phone in my pocket. I have my brand new iPhone 4S at the time. Oh. And I was about to go to South Africa for like two months. That was going to be the way we FaceTimed. That was like the brand new technology at the time, FaceTime. Wasn't able to do that. And I was just like, Colin, oh, 
peer pressure, seriously, and he, he still feels bad about this today, so I was, I was hoping he was here so I could make him feel bad again. <laughs> Anyways, and Getty, <laughs> it's a fun place, alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. That's his response. Proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Not a bad response. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So, first things first here. Worship is our first response in war. Worship is our first response in war. Not what you'd think, right? It was his. It goes well. <laughs> we'll get there. Worship is our first response in war. So, two questions. One, is that your first response in war or whatever war looks like for you? Uh, secondly, are you even in a war? That's the thing that gripped me the most, actually, from this. Was I was like, oh, our, uh, obviously, what con to conclude from this first passage, when we're in a war, we should worship. Great. But then it kind of got into thinking, I'm like, wait, am I even in one? Like, what does that even mean? Are you in a war? Like, what does that mean for you? So, I think we all are, and I spend a lot of time, a lot of time pretending I'm not. In fact, I invest energy in making sure that it doesn't even seem like I'm in one a lot. Don't we? War sucks. Uh, but there is, a, there is a battle going on for our souls, for the souls of those around us, and it's super fun to pretend that there isn't a war. And then I find myself, after pretending that there is no war for a really long time, that I don't really have a lot of cause to worship. And worship's just kind of like a I guess we just do that for a bit. This can't be bad. But uh, worship is the, is the first response in wartime. Is that the way I see it? I spend most of my time trying to pretend there isn't one. So I thought that was interesting. Are you in a war right now? And if you're not, it might be good to ask God, what, is that, what does that mean for me? What am I fighting for, if anything? Let's keep reading. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord, in front of the, new, the, the new courtyard, it's really important, and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. What a sweet response. Everybody, like everybody's there, and he just stands up, and he declares truth. He just declares what is true in front of everybody. And I think that's what worship is sometimes. You can put it on the next slide. Uh, when we're at war, when we're at war, we remind ourselves of what is true. Listen, this is such a great, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand against you. When you find yourself in a battle, do we, do we, do we get in a place where we just worship him in that moment and go, okay, who are you again? What a fantastic response. So when we're in a war, we remind ourselves of what is true. We remind ourselves of truth. And I think that's what we're doing here today. <laughs> because we're in a battle during the week. We're fighting for souls. We're, we're wrestling with who God is. We're in a struggle. And then we come here and we go, you're the line of Judah. You've, your blood just pays for my sins. Uh, you're, you're winning all the battles. Like, do you realize how important it is to come and sing these songs? Like, it's so key. If you're not in a war, it might not be. <clears throat> Let's keep going. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Keeps declaring truth. They have lived in it and have built it in a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, 
whether the, whether the sword of judgment or the plague of famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us, and you will save us. This guy's a champ, hey? He's a champ. When war is upon us, we cry out for mercy and to be saved. You can click it. When we're in a war, we must trust in his power to save us. He says, just reading it again, um, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and we will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. When we're in a war and when we, where we're in these times where there's a battle and there's a struggle, uh, the, the, the amplification of our need for God's power is so clear. And it, and it, and it bubbles up in us and we go, um, I am so obviously, like you imagine just being Jehovah's right now? You are so obviously out of your league and so obviously outnumbered. And do you think that maybe God had a bit of a plan to, uh, to remind Jehoshaphat who God really is? Do you think that God maybe had a little bit of an intention going on here being like, do you remember who saved your forefathers? Do you remember who saved you? It's the same God we're praying to. So we must trust in his power to save us. Let's keep reading. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, Mount Sire, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they were repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Isn't that an amazing verse? We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So, when we're in this war, when we're in this struggle, uh, how often do you know what to do? Just in your gut reaction. I've, me personally, when I'm relying on what I know to do, most often I screw it up. Because it's probably something that I can manage. It's probably something that I can at least see how I could accomplish it. I could see how I would be the solution of that problem. I can see how with my own hands, I would make some sort of solution out of this problem. That's usually what my mind goes to. Even if I know it won't work, there's still some sort of self-righteousness or, or some kind of like faithlessness that feels good for some reason that is because it's still me. It's still me doing something. And I don't know why we do this. We let ourselves down every time, most. But, but there's still something that we want to be in control when there's a war. We want to have it. And, you know, if he would have just marched out immediately, I could, I could imagine that being, well, let's just do something. Or, or let's just go right away. Let's do something right now. Let's fix it. Let's, let's react. Um, we do that so often. And we let the, the fear of, of our circumstances and the reality of what, what we see in the natural. And then we instantly jump to some gut reaction that skips faith altogether. It skips who he is. It skips the truth. It skips um, what God would want to teach you. And God's like, wait for me in this gap. Wait for me there. I love that line. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I think it's okay to not know what to do sometimes. I think it's okay to have hope like some hopeless battles some things you have no idea what's going on but our eyes are on you all the men of judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the lord imagine isn't that a cool picture everybody 
all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. You can click. When war is upon us, we fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on who God is, even when we don't know what to do. And I've found that some of the darkest valleys and some of the deepest, the deepest valleys where I don't know what to do is when Jesus shines the brightest. I know these things are simple, but uh, I think they're so important. Let's keep going. Verse 14. Then the spirit of Elorm came on that guy. <laughs> son of Zechariah, son of some other guys. He was a Levite. And he stood in the assembly. Skipped over all the names. This guy stands up. Je- Jehaziel. Let's go with that. And he stands up in the assembly. He stands up in front of everybody. He stands up and he goes, Listen. <laughs> this is a really interesting way to start to when you're talking to your king. Listen. King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. How's that for some truth? Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the path of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge. In the desert of Jeruel, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. That's a prophecy, hey? I would so, you know what, I just hope in heaven so bad there's like a YouTube where you can go back and like see everything. You know, you could just pick what you want to witness in history. I want, to go, I want to see that guy like stand up in front of his entire nation and declare that God's going to save them and they're not even going to have to lift a finger. Oh, that would be such an epic moment. <clears throat> do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Um, you know what I find in times of war and struggle and we're honest about it and we don't pretend that it's not existing and we're real with our struggle and we're living in reality of what's going on in the world today and we're not trying to just kind of squash it down. Uh, I find it really helpful, you can click, I find it really helpful uh, that we, it really helps us listen and follow. It really helps us listen and follow. Sometimes people, obviously God's speaking through people, obviously God is the one who's ultimately in control, but I find that God uses people, hey? He's put people in your life that get to say things and they get to, and they're there for a reason and God wants to use them and speak to them. And when we find ourselves in this desperation, aren't we more likely to listen? Otherwise, it's just your word against mine and you've got an idea for how to make me happy and I've got an idea for how to make me happy and I usually am better at making me happy than you are. You know, if it's about happiness, you're the best at it, so just go for it. If it's just about, you know, getting your needs met and keeping your nose clean and pretending there is no war. You're the best person for that job. Don't take advice. Don't listen to anybody. Don't follow anybody for sure. <laughs> like, don't follow. Don't, don't, uh, don't become a disciple because <laughs> then you're just going to get introduced to this whole world of people that also need to be discipled and it's really messy and <laughs> just starts to feel like war super quick. Uh, and I, I'm grateful for God letting it rest arguably heavily on my heart. Uh, that there's just a reality that we live in. I find, uh, so you know how like when, um, you know how when you have, uh, you're talking with a friend and then you both know someone that like you have a mutual friend who's not there 
the default, the default thing uh, uh, for you to do sometimes, as we do this all the time, is like we have a mutual friend and we, you say nice things about the mutual friend. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like you're hanging out with someone, you know this mutual person, you go, isn't, oh, I was just hanging out with so-and-so, isn't he, you know, and you, you say something nice about that person and it's like a, it's a conversation topic for people. So, um, my buddy Catlin let me in on what people say about me that's nice when I'm not there. Okay, that's kind of an interesting thing. He's like, hey, do you want to know what people say about you when they, like, say nice things about you to me because they think I know you super well? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that'd be kind of interesting. And they're like, he's like, it's funny. It's uh, that you, uh, you live in reality. I'm like, oh, I don't, that wasn't so nice. <laughs> I was hoping for, like, uh, hoping for a lot of other things, actually. Uh, <laughs> but my big compliment was that I live in reality. It's like, okay. That didn't really mean much to me. I was like, I, I found it interesting. I didn't really know how that was a compliment. Um, but uh, as I was thinking about it and praying about that, I was like, why is that what people say? I just I was curious. It's kind of cool inside information. And uh, I'm re I've realized that I've sometimes resented this little gift, I think, that God's given me uh, where I, I'm just not okay with the way things are going. I'm just not okay with it. I'm just, I'm just at war, for lack of a better term. That's, I don't know how to not be. And I didn't decide to be. I think that's just the grace of God. He just puts this little fire in my heart where I, I live in reality. <laughs> and I haven't liked that. It's, 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 it's a burden sometimes. Just please don't hear me saying that I'm super awesome in any way. This is God's gift to me, I think. And it doesn't feel like a gift always because uh, it's heavy. But you know what the beautiful part is, is that uh, I'm super desperate for help, for friends, for God, for the church, for you. Like, I'm just super desperate because I'm very aware of what is wrong. Sometimes I hate it, and sometimes it's the biggest blessing to me. So I'm, I love listening to people. I love getting advice. You know what I mean? You're not supposed to give advice at church. It's bad leadership. I love getting it. Just give me what you got. I'll filter it through my relationship with God. Don't worry. Just what do you have? What do you have for me? Where are you going? I'll follow you. Lead me. Let's do something. I'm just desperate. It's actually a huge blessing in my life. So, of course, this leader's job is to help us trust. Like the people we follow, the people we listen to, they're good leaders. They're going to help us trust in God. Have you, did you see what he said? Like his big advice, right? This is his big advice is, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them for Lord will be with you. Like God's with you. Don't be discouraged. The battle is God's, not yours. That's the, that's the, what we're getting from our leaders. That's the, that's what I want to hear. That's why I show up here and listen. That's why I, uh, you know, you know, so Miranda, something you told me the other day was really impactful. And, and uh, thank you for sharing this with me. But one of the things, this is, I hope it's okay that I say this, but one of the things that Miranda said is, one of the things I enjoyed about first showing up to church was watching you watch your dad preach. Like, you just always watch, like really intently. I never, I have no issues with whoever's speaking, actually. It's really easy for me to listen. I just love it. It's so easy, because I'm so desperate for just some sort of plan. So, let's keep going. And I think from this pulpit, if I can be so bold, from this pulpit, I think we do a good job of making Jesus the hero. I think we do a good job of saying, wait, the Lord will vindicate. The Lord will save. The Lord is the point. 
the, the salvation is found in him. I think that comes across here really quickly. It's good leadership. It's worth following if you're desperate. Let's <laughs> keep going. Verse 18. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshipped before the Lord. What a great response. Then some Levites from those sects stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. They're musicians. With a very loud voice. Hear that, Opa? Very loud. <laughs> loud voice. <laughs> Should have thrown that one in there because I'm drumming today. <clears throat> uh, I kind of said this one already, but you can click it. Skipped ahead a little bit. But when, when, when we're in a war, we're desperate. And, uh, and the way that we worship when we're here, that's, that's, a, that's a great reflection on the state of affairs in your heart. It's a great reflection. It's not the be-all, end-all. I'm not saying that people who raise their hands are more holy than other people. But you know what your heart's like. You know what you walk into this building with. You know what you're, whether you're just saying things or whether you're crying out for God to save you and save the people around you, it's heart posture. It's not a visible thing. It's heart posture. So, this is, you put the next verse up. This, I think, is my favorite part. It's really short. Early in the morning, they left. <laughs> We're just going to stop there for a second. This is important. This is important. Um, they did something. They, they, went in, they went somewhere. So, this is key. Because I could imagine that moment, that super epic mountaintop moment, the whole country's there, Buddy just gave this, this sweet word, and we're like feeling actually pretty good. It was this terrible situation, and now God's with us, and now it's like one of those worship services where the band's just killing it, and you know, and everyone's just face down, and like I could imagine that being a pretty fun moment in a really deep sort of way. I would want to stay there so bad, wouldn't you? When you just want to stay and just like hope God kind of takes care of it. Over here we're just going to keep worshiping. And you squint and just hope it solves itself. Um, that's not actually what, what God said to do. God said go to the desert and then stand your ground there. And like watch, watch the enemy like you can see them now. And it's really real. Go do something. And I was wondering like why, why does he do that? He could have just... When we read the story, it's very miraculous what happened. It just kind of all took care of itself. Why, why does God say go? Go, like, because you can imagine that worship service being, oh, I totally believe it right now. Trumpets are going, bullhorns are going, and I'm just fully believing. And now we have to get up in the early morning and actually walk out to the desert believing that all that just happened was actually true. That's a big moment. Those are steps of faith right there. It was your worship, that's when your worship was, you really mean that? <laughs> because we're going to go now. And so all the more important was that moment because we're about to go do something. Um, this is what, uh, this is kind of what we've arrived with, with uh, all that's going on with youth stuff in the city. This is the, like the main thing that I've learned over the last couple years with all this youth worship stuff was, man, is it tempting to just stay in the moment. Man, is it just tempting to keep worshiping because who's going to get mad at you for that especially when lots of kids are showing up who's going to you just do that forever until the brand name wears out and something else comes along but we'll have a good time for a while um like we just can't stay so we're trying this alpha thing we'll see how that goes um let's keep going as they set out as they set out joseph had stood and said listen to me judah 
and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. A little more of the same stuff. Those are good parting words. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they set out at the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Oh, what, a, what an image. What an image is that is. I'm like, okay, we're going to war, and, uh, and you guys have loud voices, and you're going in the front, and you're singing the promises that we just believed, and we're just going to go for it. <laughs> like, what a leader. That would just be so amazing. Ahead of there, I'm saying, just give thanks to the Lord. for Like, imagine that train of people marching through some hills, just singing on their way to their doom in the natural. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Ha. Huh. Um, what I've discovered at this church and at chapel and everywhere is that worship really is the tip of the spear. You can click. Worship is the tip of the spear. Uh, provided, we don't, uh, provided we don't idolize it, uh, worship is the tip of the spear. I love that. It has made a way for some pretty neat stuff in history. And I believe in our city, too, it's going to make some way for some pretty cool things. But, I like, we're singing and we're believing promises, but we're marching. We're marching and singing. It's an important distinction. So, uh, why, is worship so why is worship so important? Is, um, I think that worship lets us, as we're going out and we're the tip of the spear, it, we, we get to decide who is in control. We get to decide who is really in charge, who really has won the battle, who really is going ahead of us. And I think, I mean, it's just saying who God, worship is just declaring who God is. It's declaring what his promises are. And if that's not the tip of the spear, I don't know what is. Sometimes it looks like singing. I love the image of that. But it mostly looks like the tip of the spear is, God, you are who you say you are. And then I think the reason why I love singing is because it just aligns our heart with that truth. There's lots of ways of doing it. There's lots of ways of declaring what God's truth is. It's not necessarily singing. But singing is my favorite. <laughs> and uh, what we're doing is we're aligning ourselves with what is true. And we're letting it wash over us. There's a reason why they sang. You know, like, there's a reason why... Why, why Jehoshaphat said, you know what, we're just going to sing this. You know, we're just going to, we're going to sing it. He said it already. Like the guy, who, the guy who said everything, he said everything that needed to be said. But then he's like, you know what, we're going to sing it out now. And we're going to declare it with our voices. And we're going to make, and we're going to let it wash over us. And we're going to say it with our, and it's going to become part of who we are. And, and, and the God's goodness and greatness is going to become intrinsic to, and as we're the tip of the spear, it's going to be so uh, inside of us that it just feels natural because God is in control and, and I've aligned that in my heart. That's why we sing. I also love how it makes no sense. <laughs> I just, it makes no sense for worship to be this tip of the spear. There's a whole bunch of other things in the natural that I'd pick. I'd put talent. If it was me, I'd just put like raw talent as the tip of the spear. That'd be my favorite. That's the one I like the most. When someone's just like super gifted, you go. <laughs> you just do it. <laughs> you know, I, I, that's my default. I think talent's my favorite. But worship Honoring God for who he is, no swords, makes no sense. It's perfect. Let's keep going. We're almost done. 
as they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes <laughs> against the men of Ammon and Moab, Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. <laughs> the Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them, for seemingly no reason. After they finished slaughtering the men of Zaire, they helped to destroy one another. <laughs> they just killed each other. <clears throat> when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked towards the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off the plunder. They found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Beracha, I think that's how you say it, where they praised the Lord. That is why it's called the valley of Beracha to this day, which means valley of praise. Isn't that cool? Valley of praise. Then Jehoshaphat, led by, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They had entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. And the fear of the Lord came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord God had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for God had given him rest on every side. What a, just a, what a succinct story. Doesn't it just wrap up what worship is so perfectly? And I think the reason why I love worship so much is that uh, we, get to, we get to say who God is and we get to watch the enemy flee before us. Because this is just like a, this is just a really, you know, hardcore example of some biblical truths that still apply today. You can see the parallels, obviously, where now, I'm, of course, it's now it's, 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 it's principalities and powers. And Jesus has already won that victory. And they're going to lie to you all day. And you get to worship and say, no, God's my God. And uh, I, I, I wasn't going to share this, but I, I, I have to because I think it makes so much sense because I, I said it on Friday. So whoever was there, I'm sorry. But I am loving this idea that uh, the, the accuser, the snake in the garden, okay? The snake in the garden gets to, do the, gets to do the little whisper thing to Eve and says, you can be a better God than God is. That's the big lie, right? You can be a better God than God is, meaning you can worship yourself, meaning you can be the ultimate source of truth. That's the big lie, and nothing's changed. This is the same thing we do all the time. We believe that we're our own gods instead of God. And, uh, and it's, maybe it's a little simple, silly question, but I, we, we've, been, we, we've been chatting and wondering, like, why didn't, you know, why didn't God just squash the accuser? Why did, he let, why did he let him say that? Why did he let him whisper it? And even after he whispered it, why didn't he just kill him then? You know, solve the problem, just kill him. And I just, it's so epic to, 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 to step back. This is way more victorious because God steps back and goes, um, watch my creation prove you wrong. Watch my creation pr prove, you, prove that accusation wrong. And then I'll kill you. <laughs> That's way more victorious. Isn't it crazy to think that we get to do that? That we get to just worship God? To ignore that lie? Ignore it? Because it's, 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 it's just it's to damn us. And we get to ignore it and go, no, God is my God. It doesn't always feel good. Sometimes it means I have to march into the desert, seemingly to my death, it feels like. But God's God. And even if I did die, he's my Lord and my Savior. And I have a heavenly mindset that lets me do crazy stuff. It lets me think bigger than how I can stay safe and not in a war. Uh, it is just so 
mind-boggling to me that God would be that secure in who he is and what he did to let us defend him somehow. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, but we get to defend him saying, no, watch. No, I'm good enough. I'm good enough. Watch my creation prove you wrong. That's blowing my mind. Finally, third point is, is uh, I mean, these guys go and they, they, they worship and they, and, they, and they worship in victory, which is cool, and they worship in peace. And that happens too. It's not just always for war, okay? Don't hear me saying that. There's, there's times of peace and there's times of joy and there's times of life and something got defeated and we celebrate then too because worship reminds us of who our victor is. Worship reminds us of who really won the battle. And uh, it was cool going to Israel. Uh, one of our, our guides, uh, he, he said, he said uh, I'm going to get the dates all mixed up, but there was one war and then there was another war. And in the first war, th- in like 1960, shoot, nope, frick, I forget. <sighs> There's a war and then they do a really good job. The Six-Day War, maybe you've heard of it. Six-Day War and Israel just destroys. They, 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 they defeat like four countries or something in six days. This legendary victory of all time for a tiny little nation to defeat that many armies. They all attacked at once, okay, because they did not want uh, a Jewish nation to be established there, right? And they just won. Six years later, 1967, that's when it was, 67. Six years later, 1973, those same countries, plus a few more, attack, and they attacked way earlier than all Israeli intelligence, which is pretty good, uh, all Israeli intelligence managed to have just not pick up on the fact that all of these countries summoned up enough whatever to attack again. Six years later, that's really quick after being defeated. And uh, Arya said that the first, uh, in, in the first war, we gave all the credit to the army. We gave ourselves the credit, and we were just the best. Everyone knew we were the best. The states was doing this. Like, we were just the best. And then six years later, they still won, but they lost so many soldiers. There's a legendary tank battle, and God was still with them. God was still with them, but man, did they pay for it. They paid for it huge in that war. R.A. was in both of them. He says, 1967 was a breeze compared to 1973. That was hell on earth, and we paid for our arrogance. It's, it's, it's also really interesting. It's such a Jewish nation. I mean, the parallels are crazy. But uh, uh, who are we giving credit to? There's a, there's a tank battle. I just, this is as a side, but it's just so interesting to me. There's a tank battle in that 1973 war where there was something like a thousand Syrian tanks versus 250 Israeli ones or something. And, uh, and they won that battle somehow. Apparently six years wasn't long enough because I guess everyone wasn't trained enough in that army. But uh, in, the, in the American uh, defense dictionary, in the American defense manuscripts, when they study how to do tank battles today, there's a... When it, when, it, when, it, when it goes through the tank battle of 1973 in the Golan Heights, the official phrase in the American Journal of Military Strategy is there were higher powers at work. And then it just moves on. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Anyways, that's the official journal. There's just higher powers that just moved on. <laughs> it's like we don't know how they won. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So God was still with them. He always was. He promised he would be. Still held it up. 1973 was still true. Uh, but man, did they pay for that arrogance. Do we give credit? We worship and then something good happens. And then we go, oh, looks like I was awesome. How often did we do that? So much. It's like that was God. So it reminds us who the victor is. So will you, and, and just in closing, worship team, you guys can come up. You can get ready.
I guess that's me too, isn't it? <clears throat> Will you continue to worship even in times of peace in your life? Will you give God the credit? Will you realize that there is a war when you need to engage in one, <laughs> not squash it? And then when he comes through, will you continue to worship even when there's peace and not lose sight of who really was the victor? I hope this has been helpful for why we show up here. This is why we talked about, this is why I want to do a worship service, because it was worship series, because I just was forgetting. Like I've been doing, I'm like now on staff, and part of me being on staff is to do this worship stuff, right? Super, huge blessing, I love it. And after kind of like, I don't know, nine months, I guess, of doing that, I just kind of was like, why again? Like, man, do I put a lot of time and effort into this. <laughs> what are we doing again? And then I, I just kind of was, had to remind myself, I was like, oh my goodness, this is the most important thing we could ever do. It's really been helpful for me <laughs> to keep planning and preparing and have a vision for this little thing we do on Sundays. And it's not a little thing we do on Sundays. So let me pray for us. Father, uh, we are so uh, grateful that you are our victor. We're so um, blown away by your uh, power and by your goodness. And we don't pretend to know what victory's like. You know what victory's like. Perhaps victory looks like suffering for us. Perhaps victory looks like something that we don't want. But we trust in a God who's conquered death. We trust in a God who has heavenly plans eternal plans and we put our salvation in that mm. we put our hope in the fact that you've won the war for all time not even just for this life and so we worship that god we worship that god that defeats our enemies before us as we put him right in his rightful place thank you for how you've done that in all time and you continue to do it today in jesus name amen when you stand and we'll worship